Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa afdalu salati wa atamu taslim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد. So we're continuing in the in our series on the 99 names of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Today we have a name, uh, or really a set of names, that I think is really important that we. Study this name along with last week's name. Does anyone remember what we talked about last week? What name it was? Anyone? Yeah. Last week we spoke about Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Right? And Ar-Ra'uf. Okay. We're now going to couple that with the one today because the two are meant to be understood together. The first thing I want to ask... Um, well, the first thing I want to mention is one of the main benefits of studying the names of Allah is that we understand you know, within our limited capacity, we understand who Allah is as He told us, not as we impose upon Him. And so this is important. Because you're going to get people who say things like, well, God can't do that. Or He, 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 he can't be like that. Like, they have a certain concept of who they want God to be, and then they want to impose it on Him. So He needs to be like this. Or no, He, he can't do that. That's not fair. That's like someone coming to you and telling you who you are uh, based on their understanding and saying, that's, that's how you are. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how you act. I am telling you who you are. It's a bit of an insult. It's like, how are you going to tell me who I am? We don't, you don't meet somebody and say, hey, how's it going? Let me tell you who you are. No, we tell people, hey, tell me about yourself. Like, you tell me, because you have the right. You know, hopefully you know yourself as, uh, to some degree. And whatever degree you know yourself, you know yourself better than me. So tell me what you, what you want me to know about you. That's one of the benefits of learning these names. Allah tells us about Himself so that we don't impose our understanding on Him. That he has to be this way or that way. We learn from him directly who he is. And that's a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing. And we could talk about that um, a bit more, but let me start off with the name. The name for today uh, is Al-Malik. And you have multiple versions of this. Uh, did anyone ever memorize the 99 names? Even if it's not like you don't remember it still, or... If you hear the nasheed, you can kind of follow along that one. Yeah? So in there you get two versions there. You get Al-Malik, and towards the end you get Malikul Mulk. And then in the Quran, Allah describes Himself as Malik. Maliki Yawmiddin. So, the, translator, the translation we've given for Al-Malik is the king. Now if I say the king, what do you think? What comes to mind? Anyone? Like if I say king, you're going to meet a king. What do you feel? What do you think? You're going to meet a king. 
Anyone? The one with sovereignty. The one with sovereignty. Okay. Sounds pretty sophisticated, man. Like, explain to me, like. Someone with power. Okay, got a lot of power. In what sense? They're jacked. Sense. Jacked. Yeah. In every sense. In every sense. Okay. Okay. So what does that what does that do to you? When you hear that he's got all that, what does that mean to you? What, what effect does that have on you? You have like a little uh, part of you afraid. Yeah, there's a little bit of fear, for sure. Okay, what else? Yeah? Someone who's sufficient. Ah. Someone who doesn't need you. They're like, they're independent. They don't need you. Okay. And what does that say? And that's a really important point, that... A king is somebody who doesn't need you, who has so much themselves, they don't need you. And that's really, I think, profound because what happens when a king acknowledges you? You ever seen a video of like a celebrity who's like walking and sees a little kid and stops and starts talking to the little kid? You ever seen those videos? And people make a big deal out of it like, oh, what a great person. They actually stopped to talk to a little kid. You ever seen that? Why is it such a... Like, if you do that, you're going to get some paparazzi, like... No. Why is it such a big deal when a celebrity does it? Because in, in the minds of people, this guy's got millions of followers, famous, probably got a lot going on in their life, and they're taking out the time to talk to this little kid. Talk to this little kid, right? And that's like, wow. They didn't have to do that. It's just like, it makes no difference to that celebrity. But the fact that given, despite all their status, they're still willing to acknowledge somebody who's kind of insignificant in their eyes. The beauty is, Allah with His power, being the king of all kings, Malikul Mulk Wal Muluk, He still has time for each one of His servants. And He still listens to each one of His servants. And He still responds to each one of His servants. That's a very profound point if you understand that. Despite being the king, you know, the king of all kings, he has time for me and he has time for you. And that's not a small matter. All right, fear. Definitely. Definitely. Now, there's two points I want to make about that. When we think about fear, what fear is going to affect how you behave. Right? It can affect how you behave. What's the way, like, if you're scared of somebody, you can avoid them? You can avoid them. Now, some people do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's people who do that. And you might say, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? If somebody fears Allah so much that they're... I know somebody who has a relative who left Islam. They don't read the Qur'an anymore. And they said... That if I read the Qur'an, I'm going to read verses where Allah speaks about people who rejected Allah. And then Allah mentions how they're going to be punished. And this person told me that the first person that comes to my mind is my relative when I read those verses. And I, and I just, it just kills me inside. So I can't read the Qur'an. That's what they said. So that they're avoiding the book of Allah out of fear of Allah for, for their relative. Some people do that, right? There's actually a hadith. And I'm not trying to say that it's a good thing, you know, like to avoid Allah or something. I'm saying genuine fear of Allah can push people to really uh, behave in a way that may not always make sense. There's a hadith where about a man 
he, when he was passing away, he told his, it's authentic hadith, he told his relatives, he said, listen, when I pass away, I want you to cremate me. That's forbidden. You can't do that to begin with. Okay. He said, do that. Why? So he said, so that after you've burnt my body, the ashes, scatter them all over the earth. Go to like one place, scatter them there. That way Allah cannot resurrect me. You know what I mean? His idea was if you bury somebody in the grave, all the bones are in the same place, oh, you just bring them back to life. If my ashes are everywhere, Allah won't be able to do that. You see the other mistake he's making? He actually believes Allah cannot resurrect him. That's another major like aqidah mistake. But he's doing it all out of what? All out of fear of punishment from Allah. The hadith mentions Allah forgave this person. He asked him on the day of judgment, why did you do that? Oh Allah, I feared having to stand before you. And Allah forgave that person. <clears throat> Now, that's not to be used in fiqh, by the way. Oh, so you, know, you, you can't bring that hadith and say, well, it's good for cremation and it's good for this. No. The point is that the sentiment was acknowledged by Allah. Fear can do that to people. Do you know what I mean? But what else does fear do? Fear drives us to behave a certain way. And it teaches us how to behave. If it's a healthy fear. If it's a healthy fear. Like for example, do you believe in, oh, he's going to get contentious right here. I better, I better like uh, be careful here. Uh, do you believe that there should be, is there a healthy fear that one could hold of their parents? And is that a good thing? It's a tough one, eh? Yes or no? How many people think yes? That there is some degree of healthy fear that a child should have from their parents. Or from their teacher. Kulsum, you're killing me. Huh? What do you guys think? How many people think no? There's no, there's no degree of fear that's healthy. It should just be pure love. How many people think that? Okay. Anyone else think just pure love? It was so contentious, people didn't even put their hands up. You know that? I literally got like 15% response right here. Um, I know, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But with fear, one thing we notice, healthy fear, let's, let's, let's qualify it always with healthy, right? A healthy fear that, what does a healthy fear look like? It should not lead to avoidance. It should not lead to being unable to express your, your feelings. A healthy fear is that you observe respect. Would you say that's the case? Like, like think, so we could also use the word respect, right? Like a healthy fear could be, you know, interchangeable with respect. That's probably what you all want from your siblings, right? You don't want them to fear you, but it's like, just show me that decent respect, you know, like that basic respect. Now it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. People want respect from their siblings. I talked to somebody recently, and they had a dispute with their sibling, and that broke the family quite, quite bad. And the family's quite torn right now. Just because the one sibling was not respecting the other. And, and they stood their ground and said, stop, stop disrespecting me. And it led to problems. Right? So people want respect. Now, when you have that degree of fear and respect, 
it will drive you to behave a certain way. And that's why we need to understand the names of Allah all together. We can't just take one. And I really want to emphasize this. That's what Christians do. They take one name of Allah and it's everything. Mercy. Mercy. That's the name they latch on to. For them, I believe there's probably three or four names only. They don't go beyond that. We have like 99. It's a very holistic concept. Which is why when someone describes God and objects to God in, 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 the, in conversations outside today, most of the time they're objecting to a, a, a Christian God. I hope you're aware of that. Like I've sat through many philosophy classes where they're trying to like object to God. And I'm just like, well, that's not my God. That's a whole Christian version of it. So your objection applies there, not here. Because we have a whole different concept. Anyways, we need to understand all the names of Allah together. Last week we talked about Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So one could think, Allah is merciful, He's compassionate, so I could do what I want. Are you merciful? Are you compassionate by the way? What do y'all think? Hands up if you think you're compassionate. Nobody? Y'all are just savages, everybody? Yeah? Some compassionate people here? Okay. Now if you're compassionate, would you appreciate if someone takes advantage of it? Oh, I could just take their stuff. Uh, they'll forgive me. I'll just take their jacket. Oh, they're compassionate. No, no, I'm serious. Would you appreciate that? You say, no, no, no. We call them boundaries. Where there's a boundary. Like, I'm compassionate. But that doesn't mean you take advantage. We do that with ourselves as humans. How do we not apply that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? With Allah. Where we can become, oh, I'll do that wrong. Allah will forgive. That's somewhat disrespectful. I'm not trying to attack anybody if they say that. I'm saying it is somewhat disrespectful to kind of like count on his forgiveness. It's like if you slipped, yeah, oh, I didn't mean to. That's different. It's like, yeah, I knew what I was doing, but I'm just waiting for you to forgive me because that's what you do, right? It's like, mm, that's not how this works. That's where you get the name Al-Malik, the king. The king is the one you don't play games with. That's where the sense of respect comes from. And that's, that's the interesting duality we often will find. I'm not saying always. Often you'll find within parents. It's the good cop, bad cop, no? That's what it is within parents. Like, let's, let's, let's be honest here. And I know it's a touchy subject because everyone's different and their backgrounds are different. But mothers... Mothers, can we generalize here and say, stereotype a little bit and say that they're the ones who tend to be more lenient? You can get away with more? You're saying no. But I'm talking about generally, not your individual case, because I understand some mothers, mashallah, right? They got the whip ready. But like, you know, for real, isn't that, is, that a, is that a general generalization that's... Let's say, does society promote this, gen, this generalization? Okay, give it a... And the father is, is generalized as the one who's more strict. Who do people listen to more though? No, but honestly, I'll, uh, from my experience, we take advantage of the mother. Because we know, I can get, I, she'll, she'll get over it. Right? Like, she'll be mad at me for a week, and then she'll forgive. That's what it is. With the father, oh, we ain't taking no chances, man. Because back in the day, it used to mean something else. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I was always scared of growing up. 
sleeping in the garage. <laughs> that was the threat. You go sleep in the garage. I'm like, oh shoot, I'm not sleeping in the garage. You know what I mean? Um, so, so like that's the threat. Like, and, and, and it's interesting because they both serve a certain purpose. And, and, and if you only have one, it can easily lead to an imbalance. It really can. Right? It can easily lead to an imbalance of the child. And so, like, I don't want to get too much into the single parent and all that, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one should not only learn of Allah as al-malik, that he's the king and he'll punish you. Because that's the notion a lot of people have been brought up with. Right? Because the parents try to use God as like a controlling mechanism. And that happened. And it's unfortunate that, that a lot of parents did that to their kids. It's probably the more predominant thing that's happened. Is parents taught their kids about Allah as, you know, as Al-Malik. Uh, all those names which are a bit more strict. Which, you know, uh, induce a sense of awe in the person when you hear and some respect and fear. We learned about that. A lot of us learned about that version of Allah. And as a result, we, we, we might need to hear more about the Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim and Al-Wadud side. But then we can't just go and only learn that either. It's not, it's not fair to Allah. Does this make sense? We must, so knowing Allah is Al-Malik should push us to treat Him as Al-Malik. And to say that, well, it's okay, He'll forgive me. That's not how one behaves in front of Al-Malik. When you stand in front of Al-Malik, you're not, you're not looking over here and there. You're not ignoring. You're not just quickly doing things. And you might ask me, well, where do I do that? What about the prayer? In every prayer, we're standing before the king. That's where, you know, you hear the scholars talk about, stand like this and have your eyes downwards. You know, you hear the, all the adab of prayer. People say, well, where do you get that from? Why do you got to do all that? Just, just do the movements. It's beyond just, you know, do the movements. It's, if you truly believe that Allah is Al-Malik, He's the King and you're standing in His court, that's going to push you to pray a certain way. Do you get what I'm saying? Like in this, in this life, we understand etiquette. We do. Someone tells you you got to dress semi-formal. You got to do semi-formal. No one says like, who cares? It's, it's, just, it's all about the, the, the talk. It's all about the, the, the lecture or the, the meeting. Who cares what I dress? No one says that. People are like, no, okay, I respect that. It's a formal gathering. We respect that, right? What about with Allah? Oh, it's just a prayer. Who cares how I stand and where my eyes are? No, with Allah there are etiquettes. There's adab. And understanding Him as Al-Malik teaches us that. Now, one thing, like I said, we've got to balance it. In Surah Al-Fatiha, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah is the, the, the... So we could talk a little bit about Al-Malik versus Malik. Versus Malikul Mulk. It's really interesting. Al-Malik means the king. That means someone has power and they're able to enforce laws. Malik means owner. And the two are not the same. Because you could own, like you could go buy a building. Can you just do whatever you want with that building? It's your building, you own it. Can you do what you want? You gotta check the zoning, right? You gotta check the zoning. You gotta get permission, you gotta get a license to do this, license to do that. So you own it, but you can't just do what you want because there are people above you that enforce laws that control what you do. Does that make sense? And then you've got the king 
of a country who's not allowed to just walk into people's houses and go, yeah, well, why don't you do some renovations over here? It's not your house, buddy. Right? Like, you control the land, sure, but you don't, you don't own everything in the land. So there's power and there's ownership, and they're not always the same thing. Allah is both. So we'll pause here. Allahu Allah Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Ashahadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashahadu an la ilaha illallah. Muhammad Rasulullah Ashahadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah Hayya al-Aswala Alright, we got a few minutes before prayer. Um, so I was just saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Fatiha, He brings the ayah Maliki Yawmuddin. But before that, He tells us that He is Ar Rahman Ar Rahim four times. Once in Bismillah, Bismillah Ar Rahman Ar Rahim. And then in the ayah that comes right before Maliki Yawmuddin, He says Ar Rahman Ar Rahim. Four times. We hear about Allah's mercy before we hear about Maliki Yawmuddin. It's, it's to balance his Rahmah with his being the Malik, the king. And like I said, in this world, you can be a king but not the owner. You can be the owner but not the king. Allah is both of everything. He mentioned that he's Malik of, of the, the, the day of judgment. And that's one of the greatest events when all of creation will be in one place. Like... Right now, we think six billion people are a lot, right? But like, think about all the people from the beginning, all together, like, that's crazy. And Allah is the king and owner of that day. Now, what's important is that we are not deceived by our control and power uh, from Allah's power. And, and let's understand that for a second, and then I will finish with that. 
Look, a lot of us will think, well, you know what? Yeah, Allah's king in power, but like, I'm gonna do me. Because I got control over myself. Okay, maybe I don't own too much in the world and I'm not a king of a country, but like, at the very least, you know, I control myself. The scholars mention you don't even control yourself. You don't even control yourself. What does that mean? That means, you know, and, 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 and we can think about it like this. If you control yourself, then, I, then you should just do whatever you want all the time. But you can't. Like, when you got to go to the washroom, what do you do? You get to do what you want? You know, you, you ever seen people who are playing like video games? It's like, oh, I got to go to the washroom. No, but I got to finish this thing. Or you're watching a game and you're like, oh, I can't wait till the intermission or something. Commercial break. Like, yo, we can't even control going to the washroom. When you got to go, you got to go. And you try to hold it, it's harmful. You understand what I'm saying? You say, I'm not going to eat. Because, you know, I got control over myself. Don't eat then. Whenever you feel a need, just ignore it. Because you do what you, you don't need anything. You're independent. You have control, right? You don't need anything. Hey, don't eat then. Like ever. What ends up happening? You get weak, you start like fainting. Ramadan's tough for some of us. Right? It is, man. It's coming. And what about like, if you're tired, what happens? People start like saying things they don't even remember. Oversharing. Right? Because you're just tired. You start saying things and you're like, did I tell you that? Oh, shoot. People do that. People slur their words. People uh, start seeing things. It's, it's crazy. You can't, we can't stay awake. Everyone's like, I know about that one. Right? We can't even stay awake if we want. I'm just going to stay awake for five days. Sure. We don't even control ourselves. Where do we get this idea that Allah is not in control of us? Like we control ourselves. Let alone the world. Allah is Al-Malik. He is Al-Malik. We must learn to live in His court. This is all His court. We live with that respect of Him. We must respect our Lord. Not take advantage of His forgiveness. Not disrespect the commands He gives us. It's the demand of respect. Does that make sense, guys? That's the greatest lesson we learn from Al-Malik and Malik and Malikul Mulk is that we treat him as such and we live with the etiquettes that befit living as servants of Al Malik. Inshallah Ta'ala. Maybe next week we'll start a bit earlier and that way we can cover that. I had a lot, had a lot to say here, but uh, just didn't get enough time. Inshallah. Next week or we'll, we'll, new, new name next week, Hashem. We're not going to try to carry it over. Inshallah. So please. After the prayer, please come back, inshallah. And stay as much as you can, as much as, much as you want, inshallah, alright? Jazakumullahu khayran.